Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Rachel met Scott Bakula. I feel like that's going to be, the, <laughs> if not the small wonder, we've never had like an umbrella wonder that sort of casts a shade over the whole of an episode before. Or like a wonder for 2024. Like an e- annual wonder. Even though it is just started. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to get any better than that. Um, this is a wonderful show. We talk about things that we like that's good that we're into. And Rachel met Scott Bakula. And so did I. But Rachel's really. It wasn't about you. It really wasn't about me. (laughs) Immediately, they started talking about which St. Louis high schools they went to. And I was like, I'm going to take a backseat on (laughs) this one. Yeah. um, We have a friend uh, that knows people in New York. It's Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's Lynn. He. It's it's Lynn. He made the the Broadway connection. His here, guardian angel, Lynn Manuel Miranda. He notified us that Scott Bakula was to be in a musical uh, and asked us if we would like to attend said musical. This was several months in advance. Yes. And we, without any planning or coordination, said yes. Which a streak we continued until about three <laughs> days before we were supposed to leave for the show. So. Yeah, we knew that it would have to be an overnight affair, and we hadn't really worked out the logistics on that. Sorry, when R- Rachel says an overnight affair, she means. <laughs> that uh, the trip was to be overnight. Yeah. That, not <laughs> there was that. no indecent proposal. No. So, yeah, so it, it came together um, tricky. It was basically like we got there at 4 p.m. and then left at like 7 a.m. the next day. Yes. Um, but we got to see the show. The show was The show is called The Connector. It runs through, I believe, March 4th. If you live in New York, uh, get there. It kicks ass. It's so good. Uh, it's, it's, it's the new... Uh, it's, it's got music from... The uh, writer of the last five years in Parade is fucking great. It's about yeah. journalistic ethics at uh, at an independent magazine in like the late 1990s. Yeah. Uh, extremely my shit. And I have songs stuck in my head from it that I can't do anything about because it's new and it's not, there's no cast recording out there yet. Uh, so after the show, we got to hang around. Uh, I was told Scott Bakula would be arriving imminently. Uh, and so I, I met a lot of fans of the yes, shows, no which kidding. was very, very cool. What a big time moment for Griffin to be talking to these like world renowned actors and performers and to have individuals keep coming up to him mid conversation and be like, hey, by the way, Griffin McElroy, I'm a huge yeah. fan. So a big, big power play. Uh-huh. I think. Uh huh. Yeah. And then Scott Bakula came out, walked directly over to us. Um, so I, kind. I provided some lubricant to the conversation right away. Uh, by saying that I was from St. Louis and that I, in fact, grew up five minutes from where he did. Yep. And then we had a lot to talk about. Yep. Uh, and then we got to meet his wife, yep. which was incredible. They had four children, so we got to talk a lot about that. Yep. Uh, I, I think he spent maybe 10 or 15 minutes with us. Very generous. Just so friendly. Uh, exactly what you want a Midwestern celebrity to be. Nobody made any like Quantum Leap references I or jokes. I did not reference Quantum Leap at all. Which was a huge victory, I think, for I, both of us. I approach interactions with famous people as an opportunity to not talk about the thing that probably everybody talks about. Yes, that's great. So I didn't reference a piece of work that he had done. No. I'm more focused on the fact that we were from the same place, and it was exciting to me to see somebody from my relatively small Midwestern 
location, uh, make it big yeah. in the, in, in you the big all, world. You also weren't overly familiar, which I think is the risk you run when you're like, I'm not going to talk to Scott Bakula yeah. about Quantum I mean, Leap. I did make it clear I knew exactly where he was from, which suggests- Not his address. <laughs> no. You didn't dox Scott Bakula. <laughs> but it does suggest a certain amount of research. Um, I mean, if you're from where you're from and someone yeah. like Scott Bakula is where you're from, it's like me not knowing that Billy Crystal did like one semester at Marshall <laughs> University. Yeah. Which, by the way, he attended the show the next night. He did. So we That's missed right. a real opportunity, yeah, I guess. Could have, the stars really could have aligned on that. Boy, howdy, so much I would have to talk to Billy Crystal about. Like that one semester he spent, I believe, oh, at Marshall University. Oh my gosh, University. and he would probably feel really uncomfortable because I don't know that he has a lot of recall from that time in his life, most That's likely. entirely possible. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So uh, big but pot, yeah. Big pothead, Billy, Bill Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> William. William Crystal. William Crystals. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was everything I could have ever wanted it to be. Um, I was in complete shock. Vibrating. Yeah. Really? Buzzing. Buzzing with excitement. <laughs> really, really amazed. Just one of those things that you don't think about, uh, you know, happening ever. Yeah. Uh, and then there he was. Yep. And I'll say Dot's homestyle pretzels. <laughs> we met Dot. Yep. And no, had a, all of uh, her incredible. No, I mean, just good, incredibly, outrageously zesty little pretzel rods. The I had some size. of them for lunch, and I left I the bag too. out. Did the you bag see out the bag for, your, for your boy? <laughs> I got in there, and I had me some. Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Both of our breath is probably un- unfathomably foul <laughs> right now because they are zesty in a, a lot of seasoning, a lot of season, a dur- an, an Edo's level of seasoning. We obviously. just had the original. Yeah. I haven't tried all the varieties yet, although the cinnamon sugar is very good. The cinnamon sugar is so good. Mm-hmm. Get, get those away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you about my big wonder? Yes. It's, it's a show we're watching right now, and we've briefly discussed it, I believe, in the small wonder segment of this show, and I believe I also talked about it a bit on The Besties. But it's time for us to dive in, because I think we've spent enough time with The Devil's Plan. We haven't finished really it yet, it. though. We have not finished it, and I will say it was treacherous researching this yeah, show without spoiling you didn't think about saving it because from what i can tell we haven't even gotten to like the biggest thing yet it's entirely possible we're about seven episodes in and it's already i mean it's something i can't stop thinking about the devil's plan if you haven't heard us talk about it uh, on the show before another fucking slam dunk reality competition show from korea just it just amazing. Last year, it was all Physical 100 and Siren, Survive the Island, and uh, New World. Uh, this year's treating us... So, actually, I think Devil's Plan actually came out last year, too, and we're late to it, but uh, it's treating us so, so right. Um, so, The Devil's Plan, Korean reality competition show in which 12 contestants live together in a how open-air hotel slash like incredibly well-furnished sort of prison sort of situation. Yeah. Prison makes it sound, there is a prison in the show that is not the main living area. It's like a pretty decent, like. There's a lot of almost like office style cubicles that have beds in them. Yes. uh, And then like a main area where they can all eat their meals and relax. And then they enter this big auditorium where they do their puzzles. They do their games and their puzzles and their machinations. Uh, Every sort of, so, so these 12 contestants live together. They have to do all these challenges, uh, uh, in order to uh, add money to sort of the prize pot, which the winner of the show will collect, and also avoid getting eliminated. Uh, in each day of the game, there is a main match, which are usually incredibly complicated competitive tasks in which players can earn or lose 
pieces, which is the main currency of the show. Uh, throughout the different challenges, sometimes you'll have an opportunity to spend those pieces to earn an advantage uh, in whatever challenge that you are doing. Uh, and also, if you ever run out of pieces, you are kicked out of the game immediately. You are immediately eliminated. So doing these main matches, you can either win pieces if you do a very good job, or you can lose pieces leading to your elimination if you do a very bad job. And we should say all the contestants are kind of known for being gamers, right? Or at least have some celebrity status. There's some level of celebrity. There's some actors in there. There's, um, there's a guy named Orbit who, as far as I can tell, is a science YouTuber. Um, mm -hmm. who is, uh, I guess, fairly well known if he was on this show. But yes, it is. There's like an is, idol performer. Yes, there's an idol performer. Uh, there, there's a the cast is fantastic. Um, yeah, I struggled at first to. I mean, this is true of every reality show to like remember who everybody was. But I feel like by like the second task, especially once they start to sort of team up and form these factions, it gets a lot easier to sort of follow them and genuinely become quite invested in their plight as they uh, try to survive this game. So you have the main match where you try to get pieces and try not to get eliminated. After the main match, the player with the lowest number of pieces and also a second player chosen by the player with the highest number of pieces go to prison. And this is like a little room that you, you know, prison, it's like a little room <laughs> they live in for the next 18 hours. Um, a fairly Spartan, but also sometimes there's a little puzzle in there that if you solve it, you get it a piece. Yeah, uh, the they get their meals on trays. There's like no like natural light or yes. like proper sink. Yeah, so bec but because two players get sent there at the same time, usually some pretty decently tight bonds end up getting forged yeah. as you spend 18 hours in the same room uh, as somebody. Um, and then at the end of that, there is the prize match, which is usually cooperative. And in the prize match, players work together to uh, complete these really difficult cerebral challenges to add money to the pot that the final winner of the show will, will ultimately take home. Uh, those challenges are pass-fail. Uh, you either succeed at the the task uh, altogether or no money gets added to the pot whatsoever. Uh, complicating those games is the fact that sometimes you can also earn a piece or two doing those challenges, usually working against the sort of benefit of the group. So there is an element of like, you know, teamwork, 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 but also like I'm down to one piece. And so I am going to like kind of screw everybody over here a little bit. Uh, so there is some politics involved in 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 that side of the show as well. Uh, that's That's sort of it for the main structure of the show. What sets The Devil's Plan apart from I think any other show I've ever really seen before is just the bonkers game design element of it, which permeates just every single yeah. strata of, of the show. And I, I will say this was a little bit of a turnoff for me because usually when they introduce a game, they will start to tell you the rules and, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then this, each game takes about five to seven minutes to reveal the full amount of rules. Yes. And I have a very difficult time keeping up. Uh, but once they actually start playing the game, it's like you can kind of figure out from the interactions like what what is trying to happen. Yes. Uh, so even if you are like me and not somebody who can follow like 17 rules in any interaction, like it's still very entertaining because you watch the people kind of figure it out yes. in real time. Once the games get going, I, they, they are usually pretty easy to to kind of follow. Uh, between that, the, the rules explanation and the game happening, though, there's also almost always like an hour of prep time. And that hour of prep time is interesting because that's where... They f they figure out 
like the game. So to sort of set set up what I mean, I'm going to explain maybe the easiest to understand of the main tasks that we've seen in the episodes we've watched so far. The, the challenges, like I said earlier, are so complicated and they challenge what I really like. They challenge different parts of like mental ability. Uh, so there's like a memory challenge where they all have to just look yeah. at this huge picture with a bunch of stuff on it and then remember like what they saw in the picture. Uh, there's a lot of sort of deduction. There's like social engineering elements of it. Um, so the easiest one that I can explain that I, we've seen so far is a game where players receive a number between one and 100. They keep it hidden from everybody else. They also, it is hidden from them. Nobody knows what their number is or what anybody else's numbers are. In order to deduce that, Two players can team up to go into a booth and exchange a math ticket, basically, to find out the sort of like the uh, the sum of what their two numbers are if they use an addition ticket. Or if you use a multiplication ticket, it shows you what the last digit of the number is when you multiply them together. And then there's like a division ticket and there's another ticket. So the game is using these tickets with other players and working sort of backwards from these different mathematical equations to figure out what your number is. If you can figure out what your number is, you get a bunch of points. You also can get a point if you figure out another player's number. And if that happens, they lose a point. So now all of a sudden it is a game about like working your way through all these like crazy mathematical possibilities, working with people that you trust, and also trying to figure out a way to work with someone you don't exactly trust so that you could maybe screw them over and get a point yeah. and, and win a bunch of pieces. Um, here's what rules, right? That that sounded very complicated. I understand that. There's a ton of time that they spend making sure that you understand like what the rules of the game are. And then in that intervening period where everybody kind of like figures the game out, the beauty of the show kind of comes together, which is that this is not a game people have played before. This is not a game where they're going over their strategies like, here's here's the list of strategies. Let's pick the one that's going to work for us. It is them reverse engineering the game. It is them solving solving a game that has never been played before. And so it rewards a level of just kind of like common gamesmanship that I never really seen tested on a reality show before. Well, and like the ability to pivot too. Like because the games are so complicated, you have to make certain assumptions. And a lot of times what'll trip players up is they'll think they've figured out a piece of it and they'll cling to that. And then at the last minute, they could find out like that was not an appropriate thing to cling to. Yes. And like, can they still move to make a change or is it just too late? So there have been some like, like agonizing moments on the show where people are like got it figured it out and then they'll get halfway through a challenge and be like i'm fucked like i did not do this i didn't do it right now i know what i should have done but that's the beauty of the fact that these are games that nobody's ever played before and so like you don't know what's going to work you don't know what's going to be good it's not just uh you know the usual stuff that games test of you know figuring out your opponent and getting lucky with a dice roll it is like looking at the list of rules which are always long and trying to find the like hidden pathway through them that is going to lead you to to victory and that is for for me personally incredibly satisfying to watch i love watching people figure out games right like i feel this way about video games sometimes like i love when i figure a video game out when it's like a new thing that i've never really tried like anything like that before and that happens every single episode of that show and that rules and getting to see like people trot out these different things uh that they figure out that you know they 
uh, underestimated themselves in what they thought they were capable of is also like hugely rewarding. There have been a couple of genuinely like triumphant hero moments of somebody like realizing like, oh shit, like actually I'm really smart at this one thing and I, I had no idea. Um, there's also like a layer of mystery to the whole show too that I really appreciate. Like when you first, when the game starts, everybody gets one of these golden pieces, but they're not yeah. told what they're for or what they, they do. know they have to have pieces to stay in the game, but they don't know ultimately what the point will be of like the pieces themselves. So the first couple games, like everybody's guessing like, well, maybe we should make sure that one person gets a lot of pieces and then they can <laughs> spread it out. And then maybe yeah. if we can spend that money to get people out of jail. And it's like, none of that is how it works. No. Um, and they're like giving pieces to other people is like a little thank you. Like they don't know. They how don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. The, the pieces also, somebody realizes that the pieces have different sort of slots on them, which like sets them off on this spree of like, what are the slots? What does it mean? Don't tell anyone else about the slots. <laughs> uh, but watching that kind of start to come together, which is about where we are in the show is also very very fucking cool yeah there's also like board games scattered all around the common area and people keep playing the board games like this is going to be relevant <laughs> one of these days we're gonna have to play nine men's morris for something yeah we have not seen whether or not that pays off but it is hysterical watching people go like okay man we're gonna play connect four all night long so that when we inevitably <laughs> have to play connect four against each other but they also just couldn't um it it's it, this is it's a game about games that rewards sort of like game flexibility and it's it's just it's just really really and cool it also has like trend. a lot of those like basic reality show tropes of like oh this person's a threat we should probably get them out yeah and this person we don't have to worry about so let's keep them around they're yeah. like not gonna challenge us in any way there's one player who sort of champions himself as like the guardian of the weak players <laughs> who have like the few pieces and so like he arranges them all into like a pretty big uh like he forms this big alliance and that is like i'm protecting all the weak players let's pick off everyone else and it's like well hold on you have formed a very big <laughs> no. alliance here but he's like we'll sh share all of our pieces and we'll have this this beautiful uh, this beautiful dream of equality for And I all. love, he gets called out on that at some point because the person that calls him out is like, so you're just getting rid of the strong players. Like protecting the weak is another way of saying getting rid of the strong players. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, and his his motivations are not like well hidden at all. Like it is very clearly like what this dude is doing. Um, the casting is like great. Like there's a lot of genuinely funny moments on, on the show uh, because I imagine living with all of these people for a week and going through all these challenges genuinely does bring you fairly well, like close together. It, it is the type of the show that I wish I could like be a part of just making uh, even if it is just, I guess I just want to be on the show because it is thrilling to like figure something out at home that you then like later see the contestants figure out. Like, yeah. I feel like that moment can happen a lot while you're yeah. watching this. Uh, the show is directed and produced uh, by uh, Jung Jong Young, who has had a few reality show hits, uh, in a couple of which have been uh, mentioned to us as we went down our, our sort of spree last year. One is called The Great Escape and one is called The Genius, uh, both of which sound sort of actually similar in structure to the devil's plan which makes me want to uh check those out um but yeah that's the devil's plan thank you to everybody who kept recommending that to us i feel like we tried it and then bounced off the first episode but i'm glad we gave it another shot because um it is it is demanding television yeah you really have to give it your undivided attention while you're watching it but 
um, there is something about that that is uh, that is really rewarding when it kind of pays off. Um, so that's the devil's plan. They, I really, it is, it continues to be amazing to me. The crop of incredibly high production value, production quality, like incredibly complicated reality competition shows that are coming out of South Korea is it is it is wild to me. There is no way on earth this show would ever get made here here in the states. Uh, I simply do not think that the, they would they would spend as much money as this show demands. But I am glad that oh, it's on Netflix by the way. Uh, I'm glad we're able to to watch it. Can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait. What's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain My name's Doug Duguay, and I'm here to talk about my podcast in the middle of the one you're listening to. It's called Valley Heat, and it's about my neighborhood, the Burbank Rancho Equestrian District, the center of the world when it comes to foosball, frisbee golf, and high-speed freeway roller skating. And there's been a Jaguar parked outside on my curb for 10 months. I have no idea who owns it. I have a feeling it's related to the drug drop that was happening in my garbage can a little over a year ago. And if this has been a boring commercial, imagine 45 minutes of it. 
Okay, Valley Heat, it's on every month on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Check it out, but honestly, skip it. These are the These Chronicles, are Chronicles of the Rancho Western District, 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 Burbank, California. These are the events taking place in my house and around my house. Hello, sleepyheads. Sleeping with Celebrities is your podcast pillow pal. We talk to remarkable people about unremarkable topics, all to help you slow down your brain and drift off to sleep. For instance, we have the remarkable Neil Gaiman. I'd always had a vague interest in live culture, food preparation. Sleeping with Celebrities, hosted by me, John Moe, on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Night-night. What do you got? Uh, my thing this week is street art. Street art. Or like murals is basically what I'm speaking oh, of. Oh, okay, yeah. There's a lot of art on streets. Sometimes, you know, people will doodle stuff on chalk on the ground. Yeah, I'm not really going to be talking about like graffiti art as much as I'm going to be talking about like organized murals, like planned yeah. and sponsored in some way. You yeah, know, that that's good to be specific because you could be talking about my street art, the body motions. What's your uh, What's your tag? No, it's not like painting. It's like body stuff. Like I do body art out there with like my body. With your body. Yeah, the way I move it and I stand cool. You seen those statues? Like the people statues? Uh-huh. It's like that, but I don't get all dressed up. Do you it. have like a, a alter ego? Like is there a character name the, for this guy? The still man. Oh, so you're just standing somewhere? <laughs> Very stilly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing no. it right now. Can you tell? And it looked familiar to me because I've seen lots of videos of the still man. Have you? <laughs> I thought like, oh, that guy's just standing there. I didn't realize. Nah, nah. It's art. Body That's art. performance. Body street art from the still man. Uh, the piece I wanted to talk about as kind of my, my gateway is one that I happened upon when I was in Paris. <laughs> Sorry, the Rachel made a face when she said that. <laughs> that was very like pursed lips, like heard of it. Uh. <laughs> uh, the experience is kind of like what I'm speaking of. It's like when you're in a place that you don't know very well and you haven't done a lot of research and then you just happen upon this like incredible Gigantic artwork. Yeah, no, it's the best. Incredible mural. Um, the one that I am referencing. Oh, Wow. It's got kind of a Banksy quality, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know enough about Banksy to be able to qualify that. But it's just a pretty huge photorealistic human face. Yeah. I literally turned a corner and I was like, oh. Such a giant face cool. there. Um, so this, the artist's uh, pseudonym is Jeff Aerosol, which I love. Fucking great. <laughs> I mean, it's French. So it, it might Jeff be. Jeff Aerosol? Yeah. It might be pronounced in a french way <laughs> yeah thank you for not i took a stab at it but uh and it was actually it was put up in 2011 uh and it is called either sh or chut the french way of saying hush or be quiet is oh. c-h-u-t-t which is what it's called yeah uh, and, and it is actually a self-portrait of the artist himself holding his finger to his lips but it's gigantic how is that what like a three-story building it's it's quite it's quite large Yes, so it is 22 meters high. I have no no idea what that means. Is that 66 <laughs> feet? I mean, I could Google. You no, it's me? not worth it. 22 meters 
two feet is 72 feet. All right. That was close. That's big. That's so much bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Wowzers, Bowsers. Uh, it is made in four strips. So that's the stencil piece. Like okay. it's, it's basically like plastered up there, but also involves 200 aerosol cans of paint. Damn, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they call him Jeff Aerosol. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's just kind of an example of that experience I had just kind of being like, I don't know this place. I'm by myself. Oh my God. What is that? It's kind of what I love about murals. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, there obviously, you know, if you think about like, antiquity you know people have been painting on walls for a long time i think one of the traditional mediums for painting in was on walls was was walls which makes sense um but i wanted to talk about kind of like a more like modern take of like art as activism in a way uh so a lot of where this starts, at least in like North America, is after the Mexican Revolu- Revolution, and it's like artists like Diego Rivera doing these like public pieces, kind of promoting the country's indigenous roots and political interests. Uh, and then the U.S. Uh, out of the Great Depression, the Works Progress Administration was launched in 1935, and artists were employed to paint public spaces and civic centers around the country. Wow! Yeah. Uh, Chicago, um, in 1967, there was a group of African-American artists uh, that formed the Organization for Black American Culture, uh, which did this uh, big piece called The Wall of Respect, uh, 43rd and Langley Avenue, uh, which featured more than 50 portraits of influential African-Americans, including Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Aretha Franklin. Uh, It was designed and painted in sections over the 20 by 60 foot wall. Jesus Uh, Christ. Yeah. It's uh, it's this right here. You probably, this part of Chicago, I don't know that you'd ever been to. I, I was trying to figure I out. I think I've seen that before. Yeah. yeah. It's like south side of Chicago. I, I was wondering, like, is this, have I seen this before? Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's like south side of Chicago. And then in Los Angeles in the 60s, murals became an important way for Chicano artists and activists to communicate values, affirm cultural identities. Artist Judy Baca is the artist that's often credited with igniting this L.A. community and mural movement. In 1970, she began working for the Los Angeles Department of Recreation and Parks while teaching art to at-risk youth in L.A.'s predominantly Mexican Eastside neighborhoods. I have never heard recreation and parks said in that order before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That really <laughs> tripped me up. I was like, oh, that's new. Wait a minute. It tells you where the emphasis is, you know? Sure, fun. Like parks, sure, but recreation first. Hell yeah. I mean, it's one and the same. If I'm at a park, I'm having a good time. Uh, with the city support, she launched LA's first citywide mural program, which employed young artists uh, in her mural crews. Uh, and they painted more than 400 community murals. Jeez, Pete. This, this has also happened in San Francisco. There's different you know areas throughout the country that have done this kind of work of like, let's mobilize these artists Mm -hmm. and let's make our city interesting and also dedicate energy towards, you know, like the, the movement and what's important to us. Yeah. Uh, And I just, I just think that's really exciting and something that hopefully will continue. Did they Uh, take down the mural wall in Austin while we were still living? I feel like I remember hearing about that. Austin used to have this wall that was just like, People would just come and 
you know, make art on it. And it was real big. They did. They were going to relocate it. Uh, Castle Hill. Was that what it was called? Maybe. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Graffiti Park at Castle Hill. Um, I guess that's a different, a different, not to split hairs. I mean, it's all, it's all Yeah, It's the same kind of thing of like, this is a public space and we're letting artists come and and do their work here publicly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was, (laughs) it was dismantled. Yeah. As I understand, it was relocated to another part of the city. Um, Beautiful farm for mural walls (laughs) upstate. No, I love I love mirror. I I one of the great sort of uh experiences that I feel like I always have when we go on tour, particularly in LA. I remember going to LA for like E3 and whenever we would go around the city just being kind of like amazed at all of the just gigantic <laughs> works of art that were uh visible from so so many street corners. Um I that is always very very exciting. Uh, so I will just briefly, I mentioned Banksy earlier, I will just reference the kind of more modern uh, movement, which includes like Keith Haring and yeah. Banksy. Shepard Fairey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's more, it's more stencil focused. Um, it's, it's more mysterious. <laughs> um, it's not like commissioned art, uh, but it is very recognizable. Shepard Fairey did the Obey Giant. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and obviously, like there, there are there are challenges with this. I know that there are artists that also uh, decorate uh, public spaces and are not celebrated for that. No. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think that this is something that that uh, has lasted for a long time, and I think is super cool. I, I think objectively, as a just sort of outside observer. It's always it's always cool to like just see art on on the street, right? Like I think that having art be visible in common public places is like a good thing, pretty pretty objectively speaking. Exactly. There's a lot about kind of like the the modern urban landscape that is it's very easy to just kind of go about your day and not really pay attention to what you're seeing because right. it's just building upon building. Yeah. And to have that experience is always really have a cool. Giant fucking 70 foot tall face just like oh there's art here yeah <laughs> i don't know about scary street art. i don't know about jump scare street art like that 70 foot tall <laughs> face i do not want to turn if i'm in paris i've never been if i'm in paris i'm lost probably i don't yeah. want to turn a corner ah! giant face there waiting for me um but all the other stuff can stay it's okay. just that one Okay. I'll send a letter to my uncle in France. That's fair. To see if we can get it taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some submissions from our friends at home. Here's one from Alex who says, My partner and I have been very into a YouTube slash Nebula show called Jetlag. It features a primary cast of three with usually a guest, and they turn travel into a game show. Each season, the game is a little different, but they do a good job of designing an interesting experience. They also do a good job of balancing production quality without feeling scripted and being conscientious travelers. We watched some of that. We did. We watched an episode of Connect Four across the United States where you had to go to a state's capital and do a task there to claim that state for your team. And the first team to get four states in a row uh, wins. And it was very, very entertaining. Our, our friend and uh, Bim Bam showrunner J.D. Amato uh, turned, turned us on to that one. Um, and yeah, it's it seems great. That's one that we have a subscription to that I think we'll probably dig back into once 
time permits. Uh, here's one from Allison who says, my small wonder is the two dogs that hang out at my gym. They're always on hand for belly rubs before and after class and especially love giving kisses when we're really sweaty. Perfect angels. No, I love that. I've never heard of like gym dogs. No, I've heard of gym rats. Yeah, for sure. You got to look the out. The scourge. You got to look out for that. You got to watch out. Sometimes I'll get back from the gym and I'll dig around in my bag and there's a little hole in the bottom of it. <laughs> One of those stinking rats is chewed right in there to get at my my, my Dots Home Style pretzels. <laughs> I always think of like bookstore cats, you know, and yeah. like uh, bodega cats. Hospital turtles. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Dr. Turtle. Yeah, of Dr. course. Dr. Turtle. Restaurant fish. That one's real. That sometimes. is real. Although it's it's a dangerous thing to commit to if you're a restaurant because you really have to keep that tank up Jesus or else people Christ. are going to walk in and they're going to be like. We? It was our, oh, it was when we went to uh, Japan for a honeymoon and yeah. our last night in town, we didn't make a reservation and we were just wandering around and went into this place that someone was like on the street like, hey, come in here and eat. Which is never like a great, like an amazing sort of start. We were like one of two tables that were occupied. And it was it was in Kyoto. Uh, I forget where we were, but there was like a fish tank with just the gnarliest <laughs> fish. Like just like they looked like they were. A little mangled. They looked like they were rescues. Rescue fish. Rescue fish. <laughs> they were not. Necessary. They were not particularly appetizing. No. Um, and then we and then we just sat there, and then our food was delivered, and we were like, eh, it's "Not very good. It's not very good at all." <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, "Money Won't Pay." You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, we have a bunch of merch over at McElroyMerch.com. We've got the "Sometimes It Rains in Trav Nation" T-shirt. I got a Fungalore poster for you up there. A bunch of stuff, stuff, bunch of stuff over at McElroyMerch.com. You can find our other shows at uh, McElroy.family. Thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great programming they got over there. I think that's it. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. It may not be up on Valentine's Day. Just pretend like we got it up on Valentine's Day. Just pretend we got it up on <laughs> Valentine's Day. That's the card that you can get Just now. pretend we got it up <laughs> on Valentine's Day. You go to CVS right now. It's uh, the most popular card. Can you do me a favor and just pretend like I got it? <laughs> Bye. Bye. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.